0: Well, Christmas is definitely coming. We're in December. There's only 23 days to go. And I don't know about you, but I'm beginning to feel that pressure to plan everything and buy everything and get the house tidy and create a brilliant Christmas for my family. You know what that means. I mean, it's not just good enough to have a nice meal on Christmas Day. I mean, you've got to pull out all the stops, haven't you? And and create a feast so that everybody is like, wow, what a spread. And and when your loved ones open the presents that you've bought for them, you want there to be a look of like appreciation on their face and maybe a bit of surprise, not too much surprise, not shock, like what were you thinking? But more like, oh wow, how did you know I wanted that? We, we want to create those moments, don't we, of wonder in the Christmas season. And if there's children in your family, nephews or nieces or cousins or your own children or grand, grandchildren, you want to have those moments of wonder where their eyes kind of open wide. Maybe when they see the tree lit up for the first time or the pile of presents. Or maybe when they meet Father Christmas at nursery for the first time. I remember one of my children just burst out crying when that moment happened because they were scared of him. And and you never quite know how those moments are going to go. But there's something in us that wants to experience wonder in this season and actually, I think that echoes the wonder that is actually there in the story. In the Bible account, there are just so many moments of amazement and wonder because God is breaking in to our world. And so today we're going to look at some of the stories in Luke's gospel and we're going to see the wonder of God's plan becoming true at Christmas. And the wonder of Mary's yes, this young girl saying yes to become the mother of Jesus. You know, wonder takes a lot of preparation, doesn't it, you know? We're, many of us are going to be preparing hard in this season to create those moments. I remember a, couple, a few years ago, uh, the first Christmas that our son-in-law uh, joined us for Christmas, and he we knew he had a bit of a hobby as a magician. And so we asked him if he would do some card tricks. That was his speciality. And we were there in our living room, so really, really close to him, watching his every move. But as he did the trick and as it ended, we were all like, wow, how did he do that? And we actually got him to do it again, and we still couldn't work out how he did it. Now, that wasn't magic. That was actually hours of preparation. And many of us are going into that season of hours of preparation so we can create those moments of wonder for our family. But you know, God, he was working for centuries, over thousands of thousands of years, waiting for the right moment for his plan to unfold, his rescue plan for the world, for you and me. And that's revealed in the four gospels, the four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke and, God, and John, which tell you all the stories of Jesus coming and his life and his death and his resurrection. Each gospel comes at it from a slightly different angle. So, Matthew, he goes through all the genealogies, all the people that came from Abraham and David, and it all culminated in the coming of Jesus in the line of David. Or Mark, who just dives straight in with talking about John the Baptist as the fulfillment of the prophet Isaiah, who says that a messenger would come and prepare the way for the Lord. And that was John the Baptist. And then John's gospel starts with like a cosmic scene from right in the beginning. He says, in the beginning, was the Word, the Creator, the God Almighty, Jesus. And then he goes on to say, but the Word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. That's the story of Christmas. But I have to say, I love Luke. I love the first few chapters of Luke. I would really encourage you, read these first few chapters of the Gospels, get away from all the hype and into the true wonder of Christmas. And Luke is very personal and detailed. And he gives us the when, the where, the who of all these stories. And today we're going to look at two characters, Zechariah and Mary. So let's see how he introduces them in Luke chapter one. So verse five, in the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah. So Zechariah and his wife, they were elderly. He'd been a priest all his life. They'd been longing for a baby son, praying, I'm sure. And this was their moment. And then in verse 26, we find out that in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And so here we have this this big plan of God from the beginning, the word becoming flesh, and then it comes down to a small, detailed plan of God breaking in, to two families. And that's how God works. He has a massive, big, uh, universal plan, but then he has a small, detailed, loving plan for every one of us, for everyone in this room. He has a plan. He knows where you are today in your spiritual journey, whether you feel like you're walking in the light or you're walking in darkness whether you feel like you're full of joy and anticipation about Christmas or actually you're dreading it, you're nervous about it, you're thinking about the person maybe who won't be at your table this year, maybe feeling that you might be lonely in this season or there's financial pressure. All of us are going to be at different places about this, but whatever is going on, God has a good plan for you. His plan sometimes is mysterious. Sometimes his plan takes a while to unfold as we see in this story. There's mystery. I don't know about you, but when my brother and I were kids, we always used to try and look for the Christmas presents uh, that my mum would hide away in different places in the house. I don't know if anybody else used to do that kind of thing. You were looking for a glimpse of christmas presents to see what you were going to get. And sometimes you got that glimpse or other times you just had to kind of feel some parcels and try and work out what was coming your way. And in a sense the old testament was a bit like that. There were glimpses of who the messiah was going to be. There were there were verses that gave a feeling of who this Jesus, this saviour, would be. And Isaiah was one of those prophets that got a glimpse into the story and how it would unfold. And so we read in Isaiah 7, verse 14, he says this. <coughs> Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Immanuel. Emmanuel we're familiar with that name, Emmanuel. We associate it with Christmas. And the Christmas story is the fulfillment of that prophecy from Isaiah. God is with us. That's what Emmanuel means. God is with us. Now, if you imagine, if you were sent on one of those survival programs on TV, out into the wilderness, no food, wild animals, no shelter, you would be really scared. But then if you heard that Bear Grylls was going with you, You'd be like, oh, I'm still really nervous, but Bear Grylls is with me, so it's going to be okay. He's going to, you know, look after me, protect me. He'll find me some food. It might be yucky, but at least I will survive. And, you know, the word Emmanuel means God is with us. That's what Christmas means. God is with us. It might be scary out there. We might feel we're under pressure. We're in a battle, but God is going to be with us. For Isaiah, that word, God is with us, Emmanuel, meant God is going to go into battle with us. He's going to stand with us. He is almighty. And that's who Jesus is. He is powerful, Let me read to you some words that describe Jesus in Hebrews chapter 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, who he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe, the word. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Jesus is with us powerfully, whatever we face. But Jesus also came in weakness. He came as a baby. He made himself vulnerable. He became a human. He, he made his dwelling with us. So he's not just God with us in power, but he's God with us who has experienced everything a human can experience. He knew it what it was to be tempted, to be tired, to be hungry, to be thirsty, to grieve and weep when someone he loved died so he can be alongside us in whatever we face. He knew what it was to be betrayed and tortured and killed and then to raise from the dead. And because he was perfectly human and perfectly God, he can represent us and be with us in everything that we face. What a wonder. And his motive was love. John 3.16 says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. What great love the Father has lavished on us, John says later in one of his books. He's lavished his love on us. He has a plan, a loving plan for each one of us. And Mary was central to his plan. Imagine that, a young girl, an angel comes to her. So let's pick up the story in Luke 1, 28, where the angel comes and says this. The angel went to her and said, "'Greetings, you who are highly favoured. "'The Lord is with you.'" Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, "'Don't be afraid, Mary. "'You have found favour with God.'" Now, Luke is very clear in the introduction to his gospel that all that he's telling us is based on eyewitness accounts. So I don't know if he actually spoke to Mary, but what he's telling us actually happened in her life. Nazareth would have been a very small, insignificant agricultural village. It was under the rule of Herod Antipas, who was a cruel and a oppressive governor. He was the one who later would have John the Baptist beheaded. So it was tough times for them in this small village. Everybody there would have known everybody else's business. So they would have all have known that Mary was betrothed to Joseph. In those days, to be betrothed meant your families had got together and and made an agreement, a binding agreement, that you would marry. Usually there was a gap between betrothal and the actual wedding of about a year. And during that time, Mary and Joseph would have stayed in their own homes. She's likely to have been a, a young teenager because that would have been the season of life that people would be encouraged to marry. So as a teenager, a girl, not yet married, not yet a mother, she really wouldn't have had any status in her village. And her parents were probably working her hard in the house and in in the fields uh, until she left home to be with Joseph. There's nothing in the passage that tells us that she'd done or said anything special. But God saw her heart and that's what he was after. God chose her, someone very ordinary, to do something wonderful and extraordinary. And so the angel comes to her. Now angels are very much part of the cute factor of our Christmas, aren't they? They go on top of the tree, we have them on cards, and you can't have a nativity without some little children dressed up as angels with tinsel and feathers, and we all go, oh, aren't they cute? But you know, in the Bible, you never get a verse with the word angels and cute in it. They just weren't that kind of being. In fact, angels were fearsome beings. And most of the people who meet angels in the Bible are really scared. They seem to have had a majesty and an authority and a being about themselves. That was very scary. And in the Old Testament, angels were often uh, used for in battle and they would bring judgment and destruction. I mean, they were super scary. And Mary would have known those stories. She'd known about uh, Joshua how he met an angel who was the commander of the armies of the Lord and, and he met Joshua with a drawn sword and Joshua fell to his feet before this angel or Elisha who has this vision of all the angels that are surrounding him and they they've got chariots of fire They were scary beings. Or Daniel, who met Gabriel, the same angel that Mary met, and and he falls to his feet absolutely terrified, says that he was speechless, overcome, his strength was gone, and he could hardly breathe. And this is Daniel, who actually stood in front of some of the scariest kings in history. Angels were scary beings. And Zechariah, when he meets Gabriel, it says that he's gripped with fear. Awe and wonder fill the air when angels appear. And Mary herself is greatly troubled. And and Luke gives us kind of like a thought bubble. And she's thinking to herself... I wonder what his greeting means. And, and I think her brain was worrying that, you know, is what have I done? What have I said? What have I done to deserve this? What is this angel going to say? What's going to happen next? She had no idea why God would single her out. But God has come to her and is looking for a yes from her. You know, these days when people, when guys want to propose to their girlfriend, there's an awful lot of planning and preparation that seems to go in. To that moment, you know it has to be uh, dramatic and carefully planned and a surprise, um, but you know again not a shock. And um, and and often, you know, it's it's all photographed. And if it can be in a public place, a show or a football ground or something like that, even the better to capture that moment of saying yes. And when the gate gabriel the angel comes to zechariah and mary it's like god has sent them into the world to get a yes from them zechariah particularly he had a great moment if there'd been social media in those days it would have been great for his career he'd been a priest all his life and if you're a priest you go and serve in the temple but only occasionally would you be chosen to serve inside and offer incense? That was a real privilege. So for Zechariah, this was a great moment. And to go into the temple and, and offer the incense, and then to be met by an angel, and the angel then to say, all the prayers you've prayed about your son are now answered. I mean, wow, what a moment. But like those awkward moments which sometimes happen when a girl hesitates and doesn't immediately say yes, Zechariah was overcome with fear. And instead of saying, you know, hallelujah, what a, what a wonderful answer to prayer, he, he says to God, to Gabriel, how can I be sure of this? I mean, you know, me and Elizabeth, we're really old. Can can this really be true? He hesitates. He doubts. He asks questions. And Gabriel isn't impressed by that. And he is silenced for nine months until that baby is born. So what could have been his great moment coming out of the temple and telling everybody gathered there, I've seen an angel, my prayers have been answered. Instead, he just has to go home and wait nine months. But the good news is God's plan still includes Zechariah. And you know, for many of us, there are moments, aren't there, when we hesitate and God calls us, come, follow Jesus, follow me, serve, obey, get involved There are moments we hesitate, when we ask questions, when we doubt, when we mess up, when we, instead of stepping towards, we step back. But I want you to know if that's currently happening in your life right now, or it's happened in the past, God hasn't given up on his plan for you. He's still waiting for you to say yes and step into what he has for you. Because the wonder is God's plans will never be thwarted. Let's go back to Mary. So again, the angel has come to her, and he said that she's greatly favored, and then it goes on in verse 31, and Gabriel says to her, "'You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High.'" The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. I I think, you know, Gabriel, he's just come from the throne room of God. He's so excited that Jesus is going to be born and he's thinking about the kingdom. It's never going to end. He's thinking about this massive plan that is going to be unrolled. And Mary is, is like, wow, what, what does this mean? And Mary answers him and she questions him too. And she says, how will this be, Mary asks the angel, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And it's like Gabriel's just getting bigger and bigger and the plan is just getting bigger and bigger. And I don't know what Mary was feeling or her expression, but I think she, she needs to know something that's going to help her embrace this plan. And then Gabriel says to her, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. And it's like Gabriel comes from the big plan to the small plan. And it's like Gabriel's saying to her, don't worry, we've, we've, this plan is already unfolding. And, and Elizabeth's going to have a baby, and you know how ordinary and normal she is. And 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 God's plan is going to be worked out in your life too, and, and I'm going to be in it. And it's like the testimony of what God is already doing in Elizabeth's life is is going to give... Mary, confidence and faith. And you know, if you've got questions, why not speak to someone who's a little bit further on than you? Because their testimony can encourage you. And so Mary, even though she knows this decision will kind of unleash shame and possibly rejection in her life, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. What a wonder. She says yes. I'm so glad she did because that's enabled me and many of you to say yes to Jesus too, because he came to earth through her step of obedience. What a wonder. You know, Christmas... It's great to enjoy the trees and the food and the drink and the presents and gathering with our family, but the wonder of Christmas is really about God's plan, God's massive universe-changing plan, and also about his loving, smaller plan for every one of our lives. Sometimes those plans do raise questions but they always demand a response from us. What's your response today? Maybe like Zechariah, Zach- you've got doubts, you've got questions, you've messed up maybe, you've got a bit hardened because of unanswered prayer in your life. And you've said to God, where are you? When are you gonna answer my prayers? Maybe it's, today is the day to say, God, I'm gonna trust your plan for my life. I'm going to step towards you again. Maybe like Mary, the good news is coming to you and it's going to turn your world upside down. Maybe today is a day to say, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to obey. I'm going to say yes. Many people here do that. Many people come through Alpha and find that's a great way to resolve the questions and fully say yes to God, let's experience the wonder of God's plan this Christmas revealed in Jesus. Can I ask the band to come up, and I'm just going to pray. Lord, we thank you for your plan to be with us, to be on our side, to battle for us, to stay close, We thank you, Lord God, that your plan means you entered fully into being a human. You know what we're like. You know our weaknesses and doubts and questions, but you come to us and you ask us to say yes, to follow you, to put our faith and trust in your plan, even when we don't know what that will involve, because you are totally trustworthy. Come to us this Christmas and may your wonder... Fill our hearts, Lord God. Amen.